0: Welcome
1: to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hanson. We thank you for joining us and spending part of your evening with us. It's Thursday night, and so we're here again to discuss polygamy, both early Mormon polygamy as well as contemporary Mormon polygamy. But before we get started, I do have a couple of announcements that I would like to make. First of all, the Utah Partnerships for Christ and AM820 Christian Radio is holding their annual Vision Banquet. There's going to be great food, and there's going to be good speakers, and it's going to be next Thursday, a week from tonight, October second, two 2014, from 6 p.m. until 9 p.m., and it's going to be at Calvary Chapel uh, in Salt Lake City. The address is 460 West Century Drive in Salt Lake. It's just north of the 4500 South. Uh, just off the I-15 freeway. And to register, you can go to upfc.org. The guest speakers will be Alan Wright and also Lynn Wilder. Um, And she has been on our show a couple of times, and you'll love to hear them speaking and uh, good fellowship and good food. So make an appointment, uh, make it a point to go online and register for the banquet next week. Also, our second announcement is that Mill Creek Church in Holiday is planning revival meetings. We don't hear much about those anymore in our culture, but they are holding some revival meetings. They're going to be Friday, October 24th, and Saturday. Saturday, October 25th, Sunday, October 26th. It'll be 7 p.m. on Friday, 4 p.m. on Saturday, and 10.45 a.m. on Sunday. And again, there will be some great speakers to to listen to. Revival is where Christians get together and collectively petition God to revive our individual hearts, empowering us to do the works He wants us to do. Of course, everyone is invited to come. We would love you to come and join and. Into the meetings in, in second uh, chronicles chapter 7 verse 14, God promised if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's what we're looking for for these meetings um, on in the last week of October. So please join us at Mill Creek Church as we seek his face and as we bask in his presence of love and grace. Well, tonight we have a very interesting show and with our co-host Earl Erskine here to
0: <laughs> help us along. <laughs> this is very fascinating. It would be interesting to hear the response on this one. To, to
1: hear the comments <laughs> about it is quite shocking, yes. Uh, we're going to talk about the Kingston Polygamy Group and a particular article that was written about them a few years ago in the Rolling Stone magazine. And here is a copy of the magazine, the the, the front cover of the magazine. It was um, released in June of 2011. The Kingston clan is is a nickname of the Kingston Polygamy Group, and it is the group in which I was born and raised, and J.O. Kingston was the leader. He was also called Ortel. Now, the leader of the Kingston group now is one of his sons, Paul Kingston, and another son, Daniel Kingston, has been in the news in years past for his abusive behavior towards uh, some of his wives and children. In 1998, Daniel Kingston took his 16-year-old daughter into a barn where he beat her with his belt until she passed out. Now, this happened on a ranch in Box Elder County called the Washakie Ranch. And he beat her unmercifully, I think it was like 27 times, something like that, to punish her for running away from the forced polygamous marriage to her uncle, David Kingston, who already had over a dozen wives. And she was only 15 years old, I think. When she regained consciousness, Mary Ann climbed out a window and limped seven miles to a telephone where she finally could call 911 for help. And this incident opened up the Kingston Polygamy Group for public scrutiny and began a long and an exhaustive investigation and ended up in court. David Kingston was tried and sentenced to serve four years in prison for, I believe it was incest. Her father, uh, Daniel, served 28 weeks in jail for felony child abuse. The plural marriages of the Kingston group are normal. normally very highly secretive. They perform their secret and sacred plural marriage ceremonies where the men are sealed for eternity to their plural wives. They follow the teachings of Joseph Smith regarding polygamy in section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants. The Kingston clan is extremely wealthy, But the plural wives and their families are forced to live in pathetic poverty. In many cases, some of them actually live in uncivilized and unsafe conditions and housing. The group does as little as possible, sometimes nothing, to support the many wives and children who are the victims of their polygamous belief system. The wives, not the fathers, are expected to support themselves and their own children. Some of the men move their wives into low-standard housing, and then they'll charge rent to their own polygamous wives to live there. Mm -hmm. Rarely do they help with grocery expenses or clothing for their own children. And it's not unusual for them to scrounge through garbage cans to obtain food for their needs. And despite their ever-growing wealth, leader J.O. Kingston when he was still here and alive and running the group, he fraudulently placed his plural wives on welfare. In fact, in 1983, the state of Utah sent J. O. Kingston, uh, sued J.O. Kingston for welfare fraud. They settled out of court. He paid the state over $200,000, and the case was dropped. Well, growing up in the group, we were taught that the Kingstons would take over the world when Jesus came back, which would be after atomic bombs had decimated the planet. And once Armageddon was over, they believed that they will survive as God's kingdom on earth. And so they await Armageddon in anticipation of taking ownership of all the rich people's homes and possessions. J. O. Kingston believed he came from a genetically superior ancestry as a direct descendant of Jesus Christ. He came up with an idea on genetics where he devised a process to purify the Kingston family bloodline to create a super people. This included incestuous marriages that he taught would eventually perfect the bloodline of all who belonged to the Kingston polygamy group. These incestuous marriages, however, are illegal under Utah law, and most of them are illegal under every single state law of the United States of America. One ex-member and daughter of this man said that Ortel Kingston experimented with cattle breeding, and then he turned and used the same technique for his own children. This, of course, resulted in children being born with some extreme birth defects. Many lived, but there are many who didn't live. They died even at birth. There were small heads. There were limbs, babies born with limbs stuck together, or misplaced body parts, and sometimes missing body parts. Mental disorders have not been unusual for many births in the Kingston group. The Kingstons also introduced child marriages, which became a regular practice in the Kingston polygamous families. Girls coming into puberty were considered ready to become a plural wife. It was a great privilege to become a plural wife to a Kingston man, and it didn't matter if the girl and the male were uncle and niece, or half-siblings, or cousins, or it didn't matter their relationship. They were married to each other anyway, so their bloodline could become pure. Often the parents who were brother and sister themselves would marry off their children to their half-brothers and sisters or other close relation, which of course is a second and third generational inbreeding. J.O. Kingston died in 1987 and his son Paul Kingston became the leader of the group. If the polygamous wives and children of this group those who have been abused and neglected and exploited would come out and tell their stories, every one of our viewers would gasp in unbelief because this truth is much stranger than any fiction. And you can read more about the Kingston Polygamy Group and its practices on a website, utahgothic.com. And it's such a long link, we pasted it on our show notes. You can go to whatloveisthis.tv and then click on the button that says show notes and you will get the full link to uh, this particular uh, link to more information on the group. In fact, you can Google Kingston Polygamy Group and find out a lot more nauseating information about their practices. (laughs) They claim the standard of their organization for their group is based on the golden rule. Now, I was born and raised in this group. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they do not treat others, especially members of their own families and their own group, the way that they themselves tolerate being treated.
0: Mm.
1: In an article in this magazine that we introduced at the beginning, was written by Jesse Hyde and published in the June 23, 2011 Rolling Stone edition. The Kingston family and clan is featured in a very unsavory light. Much information that was previously unknown was made known in the article, adding to the many reasons uh, that that you'll be able to see why they want secrecy in their daily domestic and also their business activities. We want to talk about some of the main points of the article in this uh, Rolling Stone magazine tonight. And the article referred to the Kingston clan um, which I think is a very interesting way to describe them.
0: Yeah, two little quotes here the most powerful polygamous cult in America and one of the most dangerous. And on page 76, it says Paul Kingston and the other leaders ignored repeated requests for comment. Of this story. They weren't willing to talk about they it. They weren't willing
1: to talk. They're very yeah. secretive. They, yeah. they won't talk about it. Of course, they're silent because that's the nature of polygamy groups. The members are threatened to remain silent about it all the days of their life, as was I. I'm sure. And look what I'm doing. <laughs> this group is also known as the Order and also as the Co-op because it began in 1935 as a United Order Cooperative Society. On page 74 of the article, the Rolling Stone uh, magazine, it says,
0: On the surface, the operation is legit. From Salt Lake, the order controls some 100 businesses spread out over the western states from a casino in California to a cattle ranch in Nevada to a factory that makes lifelike dolls in Utah.
1: And so there's, they, they say there's over 100 businesses. I yeah. would not be able to find all 100 businesses. I do know of many, many businesses that they own, but but the, the, I don't know all 100. What's interesting about the Kingston group is that they hire members from within the group to work in their businesses at almost slave labor, labor requirements and conditions. The article didn't miss that aspect of the Kingston practices. And you're gonna quote that part yes. of it.
0: The cult exploits its members as virtual slave labor and hides profits from tax collectors. Children born into the clan make up much of the labor force. Girls, many of them teen brides, answer phones at the Orders Law Office, bag groceries at its supermarket, or tend to the clan's many children. Boys stack boxes at Standard Restaurant Supply, a massive discount store.
1: And so that's just part of of some of their business practices. The article explains that members' paychecks are not paid in cash but in script, a statement they get that indicates how much money each member made in a given period of time, and then all the members are encouraged to spend their money at a company-owned store to keep their money circulating within the group. They call it consecrating their money, keeping it there because God needs it. You know, (laughs) he really needs their money. In fact, they have a teaching that says if the order doesn't have it, you don't need it. And so that's how they control the, the, the member's spendings uh, inside the group. No one outside of the Kingston group could possibly know how much money the Kingston Polygamy Group is worth. I doubt a very few people within the group actually know uh, how much it's worth, but the actual net worth would likely shock all of us. In 2009, there was a robbery of gold and silver bars from a couple of Kingston homes. Now the news uh, drew, a little bit, but very little <laughs> yeah. attention from from the local news media. I don't know I'm if you sure remember. I'm sure they didn't.
0: I don't remember it at all.
1: I, I remember a little blip, uh, but the Rolling Stone article was thorough enough yes, to write about that robbery. And on page 76 of, of, of their magazine of the article, in part, it goes like this.
0: Yeah. In the kitchen, he opened a closet and popped the hatch in the floor that led down to a dark, musty basement. There stacked on the concrete floor were crates filled with bars of silver he snapped the padlock on the first crate and began stuffing the silver ingots into duffel bags lugging them back out to the waiting car by the time they sped away they had made off with more than eighty thousand in silver later that afternoon in another house across town a woman opened her closet to discover that a chest of gold coins worth as much as five million dollars had vanished in its place someone had left a note thanks it read this didn't belong to you anyway (laughs) A little humor there. No,
1: a little humor there. And, and you know, it, it isn't funny. It's very, this is very serious. This is a sad situation. Yeah. And I do vaguely remember the news coming on. I thought, oh, my goodness, what's coming up now with the Kingstons? But, you know, it just di- died down so quietly yeah. and so quickly. It yeah. Very little was ever said about it on the news media. Now, that was a lot of money to steal in gold and silver.
0: And to not have it be made more public. Yeah, and
1: just let the incident fade away into uh, silence. But that's the character of polygamy groups. One of the leader's many sons had walked away from the group a few years before. His name is Stephen, and his father was convinced that Stephen played some part in the robbery. Stephen is quoted in this article as saying.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) I could boil down what they're about in three words money, sex, and power. They'll do what they need to do to defend what's theirs.
1: And I believe that statement has proven to be true. Stephen started receiving threats, an anonymous phone call. His life was in danger. They believed that he had stolen the money and that they were sending someone to kill him. Like most children in the Kingston polygamy group, he wasn't told who his father was until he was old enough to keep their secrets. His father was pointed out to him as being Uncle Paul. That's what happens. I I know, that's what (laughs) happens. On page 76 of the magazine, we quote.
0: It says, Paul had dozens of children, a brood that would eventually grow to around 300 and he obviously had a hard time telling them apart
1: 300 children how could he how co- <laughs> of course he's got more now, if you had 300 then, and this is four years later. That's Stephen amazing. grew up on a cattle ranch near the Utah-Idaho border called Washakie, which is the same place that his yeah. brother Daniel, um, or his uncle Daniel, beat uh, his daughter. The ranch was not only a working ranch, but it was also a work camp for disobedient wives and rebellious children. And we quote about that from page 77 of the magazine.
0: That discipline would reign in the boys, and that hard labor would make the girls more supplicant to their husbands back in the city.
1: So if somebody did something wrong, if there was a disobedient wife, they'd send her up there, away from everybody, out in the middle of nowhere, and who knows what took treat place. Them,
0: treat them pretty badly, I'm sure. Uh,
1: bad stuff. Each Sunday, they drive an hour and a half south to Salt Lake City, where they held their church meetings, and his father would read from the Book of Mormon They read from the Book of Mormon (laughs) and teach about the history of their group and those who started the Kingston clan. Stephen's grandfather, Stephen's grandfather's brother, founded the Kingston Polygamy Group, and his name was Eldon Kingston. Again, on page 77 of the article, we quote,
0: yeah, and this is the basic uh, problem with the whole situation, isn't it? Like other fundamentalists, he believed the Mormon Church had le- lost its divine authority when it renounced polygamy in 1890. So he persuaded three other families to join him in establishing their own sect. They threw away their possessions, donned matching blue overalls and pitched canvas tents on a patch of land north of Salt Lake that would come to be known as the home place.
1: The home place, and growing up, we didn't call it the home place growing up, we called it the holy spot. No, so things did? change with generations, I guess. But that's what I was was uh, we were taught that it was, and I was told that's where the leader Eldon Kin- Kingston first met God, who told him to start the polygamy group.
0: So he claimed a vision, or a, he claimed an a vision, some
1: kind of an experience. Yes, uh-huh. uh, biblically, of course, we know that that story is not true because no one can see God and live. In fact, yeah. the Bible says such, in in, in Exodus thirty three twenty, um, is where it says. that that, thou canst not see my face for no man shall see me and live. That's what uh, God says to Moses. So the Kingston's taught their followers that their bloodline is directly from Jesus Christ and one of his wives who came to earth to create a race of chosen people. And that there will be, and we're going to quote
0: that one. It says, a cataclysmic time when the black race will rise up and attempt to destroy the white man, only to be thwarted by Native Americans riding to the rescue. Those in the order, Kingston preached, are responsible for building a master race, which is why all marriages are arranged within the original four families that started the cult.
1: So you can see it's a strange
0: concept. It is. It's
1: very strange. But there's still that prejudice in there. There's still the racism that's built into, of course, it's still in the Book of Mormon, all through the Book of Mormon and the Book of Abraham. When the founder died in 1948, his brother, J. O. Kingston, took the leadership. And on page 77, uh, the article records his grandson's description of this man, J. O. Kingston.
0: He was a short, miserly man with bony shoulders and thinning hair. J.O. was just as frugal as his brother. He lived in a dilapidated shack with planks missing from the porch, but he had a better head for business.
1: Now, he didn't have to do that because they had businesses then and Uh, was making money then. They didn't have to live that way. But according to this article, it was J.O. Kingston who told the women to go on welfare and food stamps calling it Bleeding the Beast they told the welfare officials that they didn't know who the father of all their children was, or they said, as, uh, told a false story that he was a truck driver who <laughs> left them destitute.
0: Passing in the night. Passing or in the <laughs> night.
1: The article states on page 77 and 78.
0: Later, the order reportedly bought, bought slot machines from mob controlled companies. To hide the scope of his organization, J.O. took great pains to never show his wealth and taught his followers to do the same. He bragged that he had worn the same black shirt every day for a year.
1: Isn't that something to brag about? That's a
0: a virtue then. Oh, a great
1: virtue. The article (laughs) writes that J.O. had some 80 children by 13 wives, but his favorite son was Paul who is the current leader. When Paul was 21 years old, he took his third wife. And by the time he was 30 years old, he had taken more than 10 more wives. It's quite a harem for such a young man, isn't it? I mean, he had it all. Power, all the sex he could want all the money that any greedy person could ever dream of having. He had it. When Stephen's brother died of an accident on the Washakie farm, his father Paul came and accused the stunned family, who were not only shocked but were also numbed with grief, and he blamed them for what happened. And we'll quote from the article there. This
0: is amazing. Then their father said something they never expected. This is your fault, he thundered, glaring at them if you were more obedient this wouldn't have happened so he
1: blames the death on them for some uh, for some not. unobserved obedience yeah. and and it's your fault Amazing. And my mom did that when my grandpa died I was about 13 and she said that God took my grandpa because I was a sinner
0: because you were
1: because I was a sinner oh my goodness. And, and that's what they do they could give you the guilt trip they put this heavy burden of guilt on you it's all your fault uh, and it can't be. There's no just way. that God isn't, that. that's a mean God. He's
0: pushing know? you down all the time. Mm hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. It's coercion. Coercion to force obedience takes, of course, many abusive forms. This had been an accident that happened, but the blame was put on each individual in the family. God was punishing them. And so, massive and unearned guilt trips like this are a plague within the polygamy groups. And I might say within Mormonism, they, they do plague their people with guilt. Stephen was eventually placed under the supervision of his uncle, Daniel Kingdom, who had a hair-trigger temper. One day, after a particularly brutal temper tantrum by his uncle Daniel against one of Stephen's cousins, Daniel started towards Stephen. However, he was prepared, and Stephen drew a shotgun from behind the seat of his tractor and told Daniel, if you ever do that again, I'll blow your head off. <laughs> No one had ever stood up against Daniel before, and Stephen was only 14 years old when that happened. Mm. But he'd had it, he'd had it up to here. But Daniel never did it again, at least not to them anyway. Now let's quote what some of them do from page 79. Oh
0: boy, at clan gatherings, girls who were still in their teens danced with men old enough to be their uncles, whom they were sometimes forced to marry. With the leaders taking so many wives for themselves, the younger men were often unable to find anyone to marry. Stephen's father seemed to marry a new girl every year, each one younger and prettier than the last. He slept with a different one each night and sometimes disappeared during lunch to have sex with a favorite. Incest is endemic in the clan. with uncles marrying much younger female relatives. And in 2003, police showed up at a barbecue and arrested a member for marrying his underage cousin. So that's
1: just a little blip,
0: <laughs> Yeah, a little
1: blip of part of the, the practices of the group. Um, practically everything in, in the marriage practices are, are illegal with their incest and their polygamy and their underage brides people in this group have been and are being abused and exploited by group leadership and those who no longer believe in it also have great fear in leaving for fear of being shunned by their own families. And because members are forbidden to make friends outside the group, where can they find someone to trust to help them to leave and then to make it in the outside world? Many former members say after they get out that they were scared to death to leave. Yet none of them are sorry they are left once they're out and settled safely into their new life, completely out of the control and the intimidation and threats of the polygamous leadership. When Stephen, this is, the, this is the legacy of Joseph Smith. Yeah. When Stephen Scary. finally left, he got help from his brother and he moved in with him and hung out with his friends. They knew a lot about how the Kingston clan handled his money. They often visited one of their aunts who actually controlled the purse strings for the group, but very few people knew that this woman had a stash of silver hidden away in her home. And on November 26th of 2009, she discovered several crates of silver (laughs) that she had stashed in her basement had been pried open. Some of the silver was gone, and someone had called the sheriff's office because suspicious activity of two teenage boys had been spotted in the area. So the aunts called one of the leader's wives and told her she better check on the gold that she had stashed. (laughs) <laughs> Perhaps some of it was also stolen and we read from page 79 of the article. So
0: hanging up on the f- hanging up the phone, she rushed to her closet, to her horror, all that remained was a ring of dust marking the place where a chest of gold coins had once stood. <laughs> Gone. Gone
1: in the meantime the sheriff's deputy traced the getaway car and they found the silver stuffed in a duffel bag in the in the trunk of the car the boys were taken into custody but the stolen gold remained unfound and we quote from page 99 of the article
0: the deputy heard the boys knew who stole the gold but suddenly without explanation they and everyone in the clam clan clammed up (laughs) paul was upset at any that any of this had been reported at all. I'm sure he was. That's yeah. not
1: surprising yeah. because they hate being involved with the police. So they move quickly to hush up the scandal. Besides that, group members whom they had financially exploited for so many years, all their lives for some of them, might learn that they were secretly hoarding this gold and silver, which could cause mutiny, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. The case was settled out of court, and the boys were given only a couple of years of probation. The one article said, on the wrist, huh? yeah, 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 that's about it. Yeah. And, and and when the article was written, the gold st- since then still had not been found. And I have not heard even today that they have fa- or have not found it. But some of them believe that it was the sons of the leader, Paul Kingston, and Stephen is one of those sons who were under suspicion, although he continued to deny he was part of it. <laughs> and as we continue to wonder why the rule of law doesn't apply to polygamy groups in the state of Utah, that's
0: shocking.
1: now Mark shirtliff this is a very interesting part of the article we couldn't miss and talking about <laughs> mark sherliff shirtliff was the attorney general when this article was written there's a very interesting interesting statement from yeah. him on page 79.
0: Mark Shurtleff, the Utah Attorney General, has spent years investigating the Klan, gathering birth certificates and genealogical data, and has come to believe that the cult is guilty of a long list of crimes including child labor, tax evasion, welfare fraud, polygamy and the sanctioning of underage marriages to blood relatives. So far, however, despite Shirtliff's efforts, the insular and highly secretive nature of the order has prevented him from finding sufficient evidence to bring a case strong enough to dismantle the Klan.
1: Now you can see why they want to be so secretive about everything. So once again, (laughs) we present to our viewers the appalling practices of the Mormon fundamentalist polygamy groups Why are they allowed to continue to function, and why aren't these groups considered to be under the rule of law that the rest of us are are under? (laughs) They claim to be God's kingdom, but they don't follow God's laws either. For instance, God's Ten Commandments prohibits lying and stealing and committing adultery. Yet these polygamy groups will lie for the group, they call it lying for the Lord, they'll steal from the government through welfare and stamp fraud, and taking multiple sex partners remains a moral corruption according to God, whose kingdom they claim to be. We pray that the women and the young adults of polygamy groups will investigate these things and seek out the truth and discover what the Bible really teaches about polygamy. What pleases God most is not polygamy, but when someone turns from false religion to fully trusting Jesus Christ only for their eternal life, and that's what we would ask you to do. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. So this is just a little blip on the story of the Kingston polygamy. You've had group. some
0: amazing stories and experiences, <laughs> and uh, that we've heard from about polygamy in starting with Joseph Smith and, and mm-hmm. coming forward. And this is just shocking mm-hmm. that this happens still.
1: Yep, still goes on. And all in on. the name
0: of God. All in
1: the name of and God. And all
0: needing to do this in order to get to heaven. To
1: get to heaven. Absolutely, that's what they teach. Yeah. We're going to open up our telephones and lines now. Our number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. We'd love to hear from you. If you have something to say or comment or question, uh, give us a call. And as we wait for your calls to come in, we do have our mid-break, no, (laughs) mid-show break, message to share with you.
2: The night of my wedding was the saddest day of my life. Either you live polygamy, or you're gonna go to hell.
1: And I would wish somebody would come and kidnap me and take me away.
2: I had no idea what polygamy was actually going to be like. Dear God, help me get out.
0: All these men did whatever they wanted to all these women in my life, and sometimes me. I was given as a third wife to a man that I'd hated since I was nine. And I couldn't do what I would think
2: about it. I was born here, in the land of the free, a slave in a polygamous cult, and my story is not unique.
1: Tragically, too many heartbreaking stories are never made public, and they remain untold. We are talking about tens of thousands of lives held captive by this cruel system of religious polygamy, and it is a living nightmare for those who want to get out. And can't.
2: I, like other polygamous children, did not have a choice in marriage. I had my free agency to do what I was told or suffer the consequences. That's not a choice.
1: Polygamy forces young girls into marriage because the supply of women gets depleted quickly. They are treated and considered as commodities.
2: I married our prophet, Joel LeBaron's younger brother, Verlin, when I was just past my 15th birthday. I became his sixth wife. He was 38. If the public was educated about what really goes on in polygamy they would realize that these women are literally in bondage.
1: I wanted to run, I wanted to leave and by the time I really got the courage to leave I found out I was pregnant and felt like I couldn't.
2: And with each one that was born I hated myself because I brought another child into slavery.
1: I was now trapped and uh, the bondage of my motherhood was now going to keep me there.
2: And I would hold my baby and cry and tell her, what kind of a mommy have you got? You will be a slave all your life, just like me, and I brought you into this world. I prayed every day, dear God, help me get out, but help me get out with my children.
1: A shield and refuge ministry draws its mission from Isaiah 61, to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, and to declare the Lord's favor to those who have only heard of His anger and rejection. The challenge before us is to have a safe place for refugees to go.
2: You can't even imagine how different my life would
1: have been if that had existed for me. But we know that God has not called us to undertake this task alone. We need help. And he's putting together a team to make this facility a reality. We are calling this safe house the Hagar home in honor of a young helpless girl who fled polygamy thousands of years ago and in recognition of the great God who saw her and cared for her and still sees and cares for polygamous refugees today then they too will be able to heal and grow strong and move forward in life with hope and confidence. Together we can bring good news to those who suffer gently calm those who live in fear and declare freedom to those modern-day Hagars of contemporary Mormon fundamentalism. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hanson. And with our co-host, Earl Erskine, we have been talking about the Rolling Stone article Uh, which has an uh, an article in it about the Kingston Group, and it was written, um, the issue was June 23rd of 2011, and anyone who is interested enough to read the entire article can go to the rollingstone.com website for information on how to order past issues. Plus, there is a link to this particular article if you go to our website, whatloveisthis.tv, on the screen, and you can click the, the show notes button, and you can find the links that we've referred to on the show tonight. So um, I think they'll find the entire article Very extremely interesting. Yeah. We didn't yeah. we didn't even touch all of the article. Of course, right. it was too long to be able to do it through the whole show, but that gives you an idea of it. Uh, so we do have our telephone lines open now. Our number is 801-973-8820. Give us a call if you have questions or comments about polygamy and about our show tonight. There is an off-the-air question. I'll let... Um, Um, our our (laughs) co-host answer. The question is, do regular Salt Lake City LDS believe there will be polygamy in the hereafter?
0: Yes, we do, yeah. Do they
1: teach it loud and clear? Mm,
0: Well, I wouldn't say loud and clear, but that's the purpose of, uh, I mean, to become gods. We're going to have to have a lot of wives in order to populate our earth or our planet. we know that uh, even some of the general authorities marry and are sealed to, to more than one wife. And
1: mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I,
0: I know that uh, the concept in Section 132 tells us, and my wife used this a lot, that she would have th- be able to refuse uh, my taking more wives. So we kind of had that, she had that in the back of her mind that she could at least say no, that no, I couldn't take more wives. But that's the concept that, uh, and we just figured we'd understand it when we got on the other side. So
1: mm-hmm. yes, they, and, they believe and, that And that you just said it was the Law of Sarah, which the polygamy yes. groups call the Law of Sarah, but you didn't read section 132 very carefully. Ask Carla to read it, because <laughs> it says that the wife has the right to say no But if she says no, she is breaking the covenant and she will be destroyed and he can go ahead and marry anyway because that's what he's supposed to do. And that's
0: what Emma was told as well. Yeah, Mm -hmm. if you don't accept the ones that Joseph was taken, that she'd be destroyed.
1: So, that idea that the wife has the power to say no, yeah. not even says Section 132 says it's not a final answer. And
0: I, th- I think the LDS don't understand what's going to happen. They don't know how it's supposed to play out in, in all of its aspects, mm-hmm. but they certainly believe that you're not going to be monogamous up there. Mm-hmm. No.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Isn't <laughs> that something? Okay, and then, so by the way, it's not true because there's no marriage in heaven. Jesus said, I've got a on good authority. Yeah. Jesus said there's no marriages in heaven at all. doesn't mean you have to get married here to get there. It means when you get there, there will be no marriage, uh, partnerships, yeah. relationships whatsoever. It's going to be greater, better than marriage, whatever that might be, but it's not going to be marriage. Okay, we do have on line two, Garth calling from Ogden. Hello, Garth. Yes, Yes, you're on the air. You need to turn down your television volume. Here, I just got it. <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, I'm sorry, is this Doris? This is Doris. Doris, this is Gareth uh, Barnes calling from uh, Ogden, Utah. i got some information that's probably going to take a little bit of time to give to you. I don't think you want to take the time.
1: Not on the air, huh? Not a lot air, of time on the air. I.
3: It's it's regarding uh, Arvind Shreve. Uh, you asked for uh, anyone who had information. To, uh,
1: yeah, can you email it to me in any way or it mail you? it?
3: And uh, I, mine is kind of firsthand because I was uh, uh, in that family, not in the Shree family, but he was married to my cousin. Um, mm. his, his brother, that is, not him, mm-hmm. uh, was married to my uh, my cousin. And so I can give you probably quite a bit of information uh the type that you're looking for uh, pretty much from a personal standpoint.
1: Garth, would you want to leave your telephone number with the operator? And I, will do that. I can give you a call, and then maybe we can uh, talk about it over the phone. I can get some good information. No, I will about. do
3: that at your convenience. Uh, just give me a call, and I will relate to you at least what information I have on the subject.
1: Okay, now don't hang up. Just stay on the line. I'll hang up, and then the operator will pick up the line and get your phone number. Okay. Okay, thank you.
0: You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Bye.
1: Bye information you're looking for well somebody had called and asked about the Shreve and it was oh. kind of a really messy thing that happened a few years ago up in mm. Brig or up in Ogden mm. and it is something we could do a show on it's kind of ugly like this that we just did tonight yeah. when we deal with polygamy we deal with ugly stuff so sorry but that's the way it is but anyway it could be make for an interesting show if we can get and gather enough information together okay um, we had a call but it looks like it's gone so yeah. maybe something happened but anyway right now let, let's Let's talk uh, about the question, should religions own businesses?
0: That's an interesting idea, isn't
1: it? It, it is. Um, all the polygamy groups own, they own and operate many businesses. They're all of them, well, all of the the FLDS, the Elred group, the Kingston group, yeah. they all have a lot of money because they own and operate businesses. The LDS church owns many, 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 many for-profit yeah. businesses. Right. So, I guess the question would be when did Jesus ever set the example or teach that his church should be involved in for profit business ventures?
0: Yeah, I, I, well, he never did, of course. I'm just trying to think what. Yeah. what what rationale goes into that i'm sure that i'm sure they've rationalized their way through to make uh, the kingston the
1: kingston told us that the only way we could build up the kingdom of god so we wouldn't be destroyed is to have lots of money have lots of power behind that money Mm -hmm. and so we had to save every dime every penny every dollar everything always had to be saved and be consecrated by giving it back and giving it into the group so they could grow strong but i think god's almighty
0: yeah, yeah. yeah he
1: doesn't need a puny little polygamy group here on the earth. In fact, Jesus said, his kingdom's not of this world. And in heaven the streets are paved with gold, yeah, which means it's it's rivers. equal to to asphalt up there. so yeah. money is nothing to God. Yeah. Uh, the Kingston group is said to be worth at least 300 million dollars, but I doubt anybody really knows how much they're worth except for a few of the, of the few. According to the Salt Lake Tribune on December 2010, they reported that the Kingston Group owns 300 acres of land along the Legacy Parkway in Davis County. Now, that alone, that real estate alone is I mean, worth a, a lot of money. Now, the Kingstons are probably the most private and the wealthiest of all the organized polygamy groups. Most of the FLDS are geographically isolated, but the Kingstons will blend in with the mainstream society in the, the communities and the cities yeah. and towns that they live. So they're hidden in plain sight. You probably have shopped at some of their stores if you live in this area. They are known for their extreme frugality and yet they own many dozens of businesses in Utah, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, Nevada, and probably other places we're not aware of. Penny pinching among the Kingstons is considered a virtue. So if you go out to dinner with them, you buy. (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) What an outsider would call a pauper to the Kingstons is a show of godliness. Many of their homes are in horrible repair. I know that for a fact. I grew up in one of them. Uh, Paint peeling uh, or no paint at all, cardboard Mm. covering their broken windows, junk and debris instead of grass and flowers in a well-kept yard is almost unheard of. What looks like a shack and junky surroundings to them is a symbol of righteousness. The mothers make do with bare necessities, which glorifies the father and the husband is the epitome of thrift, saving all their money for the group to use at its sees fit rather than for the needs of their families. Yet in all their thrift, the Kingstons continue to own, operate, and profit for many businesses so that those at the top can have all their needs met." Mm. Their many businesses include restaurant supply, um, garbage disposal companies, pawn shops, bail bond bond companies, retail stores, grocery stores, real estate, shopping centers, ranching, and many other very lucrative business interests. But Jesus didn't command his church to own and operate church-owned businesses. He did tell us to feed the poor, not to make them poor like the polygamy groups do. He said to clothe those who need it, not to make them destitute so they can't afford to clothe their own their own families and children. He told those who have to give to those who don't have. Yet the polygamy groups take all that their members have to feed the coffers of their pyramid scheme with no basic humanitarian effort to feed and clothe their own. So I'll have to quote right here, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But if any provide not for their, his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's what God thinks of those who don't care for their own families.
0: Well, I couldn't believe they even charge their own wives rent. Oh,
1: That's that shocking. that shocked me. The first I heard of that was when Rachel Kingston came on the show and talked about that. She, she had to pay her husband rent. her polygamist husband rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh
0: boy, that
1: was awful. Okay, we've got some uh, on line, line two. We have Hector from Salt Lake City calling. Hello, Hector.
4: Hey. Um. My question is: is there any uh, federal watchdog groups that? Uh, keep an eye on, on uh, hmm. these polygamists or uh, any human rights activists. Uh.
1: If there are, we don't know about it. They're not saying anything about it because very, very, very little is done. Things come up in the news and they just drop out of the news and very little is done. We, do, we, we, we shake our heads wondering when this is going to end. Uh, the United States is concerned about equal rights in all the other countries of the world, and about girls that are stolen. You know, these two hundred and fifty no. girls in Africa that were stolen away, and they wanted to help them. They don't help the girls that are stolen away in polygamy groups. I don't. I don't know what to say. But if, as far as watch groups, there's a lot of groups that want to help the polygamists. But so far as uh, the FBI Nothing and on all, on the
0: legal level. Huh?
1: Yeah, not that I know of. So. <laughs> In other words, they're in fear of standing up. I don't know
4: what uh, for being possibly be jailed or persecuted
1: or the, polygamists? the reason. The polygamists.
0: Okay. Well, probably the legal authorities. Why don't they push?
1: Well, one of the reasons I, I believe is that they're afraid to open up the can of worms called religious liberty. Hmm. But that that really again you you don't get religious liberty and break the law doing it the the supreme court's already ruled on that you have a religious liberty but you don't have the freedom to break the law for religious liberty
4: okay i i was married to a, a lds woman and uh they tried to convert me they had their two of their 12 gangsters or whatever tried to Come and convert me and they tried to tell me all this stuff I was going to be a God and all this wonderful stuff and um, I told them that there's only one God and I told them that I believe in Jesus Christ and that he's my Savior and as soon as I said that it all stopped and a year later my wife threw me out of the home I'm divorced she's trying to take my daughter from me um and it's never ending i mean i'm being right now uh, and i'm i'm grateful i'm honored that i'm being persecuted because uh this persecution i hope that it uh it it glorifies god the father through jesus christ because um my faith in christ is very strong and i'm very bold about it i'm not scared to stand up for it Mm -hmm. but uh what I was, my concern is, is uh, if there's any outlets out there that uh, that can help or direct, uh, um, say, for the support of a non-believer or a non-LDS person.
1: Um, are you talking about support group? You are you looking yeah. for a support group?
4: No, uh, for uh, like. Uh, uh, yeah, support group. That would that would start. That okay. Would start right
1: there uh, again. Why don't you leave your telephone number with a with the operator, and uh, I will find out where a support group is in Salt Lake City area, uh, an ex Mormon support group, and uh, I'll give you a call and tell you where some of them that you could choose from. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. Okay. much. Great. Exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I need to to get two or three good ones in the area and broadcast them on the show, yeah. which I will do when I can. Okay, we have Christina calling from Brigham City. Hello, Christina. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. Yes, um, my question is, is, what What do they mean by they are God's after... Hello? I, Hello. We're here. What's your question? Oh, My question is, is what, what? what do they mean by uh, they're gods after
2: they leave this earth. I mean and if the if the Mormons don't believe in polygamy, why do they, you know,
1: think they're gonna become gods or I don't understand the God theme. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of a, a puzzle but we'll we'll address it as, as much as we can off the air. Thanks for your call. Um, first of all, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young both taught that if we wanna become gods we must live polygamy. That was yeah. part of the polygamy doctrine. Um, when we die, there's a judgment, and the Mormon Mormonism teaches that that judgment will determine w- if we did all the right things, we would be exalted into celestial glory, and then right. from that point, we would progress to become a god, right?
0: Yeah, the, the concept is that we're in an eternal progression. That we're, we've never not existed, we just move forward, and that we eventually progress as we keep the commandments and do what we're supposed to, go through the temple, be married for time and all eternity, that we can eventually, as you say, get to the top of the celestial kingdom. And that's where, at some point, we become a God. I Mm -hmm. I always laughed or joked to myself. I didn't know it was a graduation kind of a thing, or just one morning I would wake up and I would know I was God, or Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't know how that worked.
0: But that's the part of the progression, and, and that's the purpose of Eldia's temples and uh-huh. so marriage, uh, and then as a god, then you take additional wives because you need to populate your planets.
1: Right, and so becoming a god, you get a planet. Right, and and we were taught that that you had to have all those wives down here, and if you had three wives, you'd get three planets. If you had ten oh. wives, you get ten planets. Oh. If you had thirty wives, Warren Jeff has eighty wives, he get eighty planets. So he's a mighty god. Oh. See. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's what we were taught. Everybody's taught a little bit different. Yeah. But that's what we were taught. So I hope that answers our caller's pr- question that they believe that we can PM gods. Um, very quickly, uh, very quickly, Scott from Bountiful, can you are you Yes. Can you you need to turn your um, volume down and you i ma- I'm need sorry, to, I forgot. I you, forgot.
3: I'm you sorry.
1: You need to make I this very I quick quick it. Scott. I got
4: it. um my question is, um, I've lived my whole life in Bountiful and uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, whispered, you know, in Davis County, uh, Scott, polygamists you need to on this, the polygamous on that, and uh, I kind of, but it never says Kingston Group or anything, you know, and I, I'm wondering if it's the mainstream church that kind of, they don't want to bring it up either because it's kind of their, their little secret, so they don't really publicize it either. Yeah, but, well. Um, I remember when I was a
1: well, at Scott, co-op, Scott, uh, Scott, Scott. Uh, we ha- uh. I have to interrupt you. We've only got about ten seconds. Okay, make it quick.
4: Well, if you could just answer quickly. If, uh, if there's a lot in Davis County.
1: If there's a, a lot in Davis County. Okay. yes. Yes. The, the actually the the Kingston group is called the Davis County Co-op. The Davis County Cooperative Society is its legal name, and yes, they did have the co-op department store in Bountiful. Uh, there are a lot of people from the Kingston Group do live up there, but they are blended into society, yeah. and they could be your next-door neighbor, and you probably wouldn't know it. Uh, I hope that answered your question. But I was raised in Davis County in Kaysville, so thanks again. i
0: happy to be here. For and share.
1: being here tonight. <laughs> and um, closing comments: The polygamy groups are—they uh, all claim to be God's kingdom on planet Earth, and they all claim that they are obeying God's will as they cheat their members in their united order schemes, and they cheat their wives and their children from having what God intended them to have—their own personal husband and father. The Mormons brag because Joseph. Smith didn't have any children from his 33 plural wives, and yet having children was the very reason given for plural marriage. Brigham Young once saw a nice, well-mannered 10-year-old boy whom he did not even know or recognize as being his own son. A local polygamous leader has so many children from so many wives, he has had to ask specific wives if a particular child is hers or from another mother. Other polygamists deny their own children as being theirs for fear they'll be found out. And still more polygamists marry their own brothers and sisters and nieces and cousins. And tragically, they all claim this is God's command. But they don't have a clue who God really is. A huge percentage of escapees from polygamy groups have been abused in many different ways. And many of them have been sexually abused. And yet they all claim they're God's kingdom. Where is the disconnect here? They can lie, and they can be deceitful, and and, and they clay they're God's kingdom. God's people don't treat each other like that. God has prohibited polygamy, which means it can never be the right thing to do, ever. And besides all that, Jesus Christ is our Savior. Not polygamy. And salvation is based on His works, not on any works of our own. Believing in and trusting in Jesus Christ for our salvation is the only answer for eternal life, not polygamy. Thank you for watching and good night.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This.